Hello and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Brian Goak. I'm the pastor at Faith, and I want to welcome you in Christ's name uh, to our weekly message. This past Wednesday, I went to Union Park, where we typically worship on uh, Sundays to work away from the house, because I'm pretty sure my wife and kids are getting tired of looking at me. And while I was there, I got a text message uh, from one of the Bloomington police officers who was on the Union Park board. Now, you may not know this, uh, but there is a board of seven people who manage uh, Union Park, uh, again, where we typically worship on Sunday mornings. And so Marty sends me this text uh, that he has some church mail that he'd like to drop off for me, uh, which, of course, reminds me uh, that if you have something that you would like mailed to the church, uh, please do not mail it to Union Park on GE Road or drop it off at the mailbox there. Um, I might not get it for a few months, actually. So if you have something to mail uh, to Faith, uh, you can send it to Faith Lutheran Church World Headquarters, 1 Brompton Court, Bloomington, Illinois, 61704. Uh, you can also just write uh, Faith Lutheran Church on the envelope there. But when Marty shows up uh, at Union Park, we have a bit of a conversation about what's going on in the Bloomington Normal community. He said, you know, it's kind of like Christmas Day out there. Uh, everything's closed, not much traffic at all, hardly see anyone outdoors. He said, but you know, the calls for domestic violence are way up. There's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in the community. Uh, and people are not uh, used to being at home um, this much. Um, and uh, so there's just this, all this anxiety and stress and people are getting on each other's nerves. And it's been a strange week for all of us, uh, nesting at home. Uh, we have on our day pajamas and our uh, night pajamas, uh, which for me just really means wearing sweatpants uh, all the time. Shelter at home has become the new normal for us. We are in quarantine, right? And on rare occasions when we leave the house for groceries, walk the dog, or whatever necessity, we're careful to practice social distancing. But of course, it's not just here in Bloomington Normal uh, where we are uh, sheltering at home. I wanted to show you a, a couple pictures on my phone uh, so you can get an idea, and maybe you've seen some of these already. Uh, but if you were to travel uh, to this place this week, um, this is Walt Disney World. Uh, this is Main Street in Walt Disney. Um, and normally, of course, this would be wall-to-wall -wall people. Uh, but this week, Walt Disney World is empty. Um, this picture uh, was taken also this week. Uh, this is London, uh, Trafalgar Square. Again, elbow to elbow, packed people crammed in all over the place. This week, it's empty. Uh, this is a freeway in Los Angeles, of all places. Uh, I went to gra uh, seminary in Los Angeles, um, and while I was in graduate school, I delivered flowers all over the city, and I actually spent uh, an extraordinary amount of time in traffic jams in Los Angeles. Now the freeways are practically empty. The next picture is Paris and the Louvre. Again, uh, usually wall-to-wall -wall people now empty. 
Uh, not too far from there uh, is uh, Rome, uh, uh, the Vatican, St. Peter's Square. Uh, hardly anybody out there. And just for fun, I thought I would put this up there, show you this picture. This was a picture taken this past week uh, in Las Vegas. Um, this is the world as we know it. And all these places uh, have been designated as places where people gather together. Um, but now we've been ordered um, or asked, depending on where you live, uh, to stay home, um, to self-quarantine self-quarantine. So this weekend, uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the quarantined life. And as I've talked, uh, spoken with a number of you uh, over the past few weeks, I'm hearing much of what you're hearing. This is surreal. This is like reading a sci-fi script. This is so unprecedented. Um, and so uh, what's happening, especially in some Christian circles, is people are trying to make sense of all this uh, prophetically. Are we in the book of Revelation? Is this the tribulation? Is the Antichrist about to be revealed? Is the mark of the beast about to be exposed? I've even heard people uh, the past few weeks quoting Revelation 13, um, which says... And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on its head horns were ten diadems, or ten crowns, and on its heads uh, were uh, ten blasphemous names. And so there's, you know, even quoting of uh, Revelation, um, and, and we might be living in uh, uh, the end times. I, I don't know uh, for sure, but I, I think rather than uh, becoming fixated on Revelation and all that's going on uh, today, I think it's probably more helpful uh, for us to look at Leviticus 13 as a reference point. Because while this feels unprecedented uh, for us today, uh, people have experienced uh, the quarantine life for hundreds, even thousands of years, uh, during many plagues uh, throughout history. And in just a minute, we're going to get to Leviticus uh, 13, uh, but I want to remind you that there have been several well-known quarantines uh, in the United States as well as Europe. Um, in the 14th century was the bubonic plague, which struck Europe, Asia, North Africa. And before ships could come into the ports uh, in Venice, Italy, they had to wait off the coast for 40 days uh, because the disease uh, was carried uh, by uh, fleas on rats. And they had to make sure that uh, people on board uh, weren't sick before they could actually uh, dock uh, the ships. Another time, uh, shortly after the United States uh, won our independence, there was a yellow fever epidemic. Uh, so in 1799, uh, the federal government mandated a quarantine right here in our nation. In 1892, there was a, a typhoid outbreak in New York City, and another quarantine uh, was mandated. In 1900, uh, there was another outbreak of the bubonic plague in San Francisco. An entire section of Chinatown was shut down in that quarantine. 
Now, the most famous pandemic uh, next to this one uh, happened in 1918. Uh, that's what we keep hearing about, the Spanish flu, uh, which killed about 50 million people around the world, about 675,000 uh, in the United States alone. Schools were closed, public gatherings were forbidden, uh, many things uh, similar to what we are experiencing today. And so I, I share all these uh, plagues and these quarantines with you, uh, not so much to cause alarm, uh, but to remind you that uh, plagues and quarantines are cyclical. Uh, are, are, there's lots and lots of examples throughout our history. We just haven't happened to have one uh, in a little over a hundred uh, years now. And so I kind of wanted to set the stage uh, as we dig into uh, Leviticus uh, 13. Uh, because shelter at home or uh, self-isolation uh, or quarantine is our present reality. You know, the Jewish people uh, have a rich history uh, of quarantining uh, that actually goes back uh, to the Passover, uh, which, of course, they will be celebrating in about two weeks. Thousands of years ago, God delivered uh, the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, and you might recall that story uh, from the book of Exodus, uh, where God afflicted the Egyptians with a number of plagues. And the Passover, think about it, it was a one-day mandatory quarantine of shelter-in-place uh, directed by God. God's people, the Israelites, had to go inside their houses, and the book of Exodus says, none of you shall go out of the door of your house. If they wanted to be safe from this death plague that was coming, they had to stay home. Later on, after God rescued his people and took them out into the wilderness, God gave his people certain rules regarding diseases. Why? Why did God do this? Uh, very strict uh, quarantine laws. And, and really, the idea is, is much like today. It's, it's to protect ourselves and to protect others. And early on um, in God's, uh, even in, in the Old Testament, there's this idea of love that permeates. God says, I love you and I want the very best for you and I want to protect you. So if you've got your Bibles um, and you are in Leviticus 13, I'm going to invite you to follow along as we read about this uh, quarantine. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has uh, on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body. Then he shall be brought to Aaron and the priest, uh, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair of the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of a leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and it appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days, seven days of quarantine. 
And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day, and if his eyes, uh, in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven uh, days. So 14 days of, of isolation here. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and if the disease area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall announce him clean. It is only an eruption, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. And so if a person is tested positive, the, the person, of course, is de, uh, deemed unclean. So they need to stay quarantined uh, for seven, uh, then another seven days. They had to self-isolate. And if they went outdoors, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, so that the crowds would stay away. So the priests become the custodians of public health, which is pretty progressive. Uh, keep in mind, this is about 1,500 years before Jesus shows up. This is way uh, before uh, modern medical science. And oftentimes we think that, you know, Scripture, the Bible, and science are at odds. But, but really, uh, modern science is just trying to catch up what God had been telling God's people uh, for many, many years, generations uh, before medical uh, science. This is just one example. Later on, uh, other biblical uh, books, um, one in particular called the Mishnah, has all sorts of instructions, uh, like Leviticus, for quarantining people with specific skin disease. One of the kings of Israel uh, was diagnosed with uh, leprosy, King Uzziah. And I wanted to read a passage to you, um, what happened with King Uzziah. This comes from 2 Chronicles 26, 21. It says, King Uzziah uh, was leprous to the day of his death. In being leprous, he lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord because of his disease. And so this is, you know, going on uh, long before we even get to the New Testament. In my New Testament times, uh, you probably remember uh, stories of Jesus uh, interacting with people uh, who had leprosy. And I, I'm especially mindful of that story in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus met 10 people along the road who had leprosy. It says that they stood uh, from a distance from Jesus, uh, unclean, unclean. Notice they didn't come up and give Jesus a hug or a high five or anything. They said, hey, we're unclean, stay away. And this, was, of course, was all based on the Old Testament uh, teachings that God had given God's people uh, of social distancing. You probably remember that story that Jesus healed all 10 of those lepers. And then one came back to actually thank Jesus for healing him of his skin disease, his leprosy. So we find um, a quarantining, uh, self-isolation in both the Old and the New Testament, uh, and it was a way of practicing uh, self-care, but it was also a way of caring for the community, others around. It was all based on, of course, the idea of love. And so we've looked at Revelation 13, we've looked at Leviticus 13, and now I want to spend some time on John 13, because these are the very words of Jesus, the red letters of Jesus, if you will. 
Jesus is teaching about what it means to follow him. So let's look at uh, John 13, beginning with verse 1. Uh, It was just before Passover. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all these things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew the one who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that I do, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Notice that Jesus doesn't say you will be blessed if you believe them or you will be blessed if you think about these things, or reflect, or ponder these things. He said you will be blessed if you do these things. Being a follower of Jesus is a verb, even in times of quarantine, or staying at home. And this action is based on love. So I want to shift gears a little bit and try and put some application uh, on what it means uh, during this season of of staying home. Um, And and you might be tempted to to wring your hands and be fearful. Uh, But I want to suggest this might be an opportunity for you uh, to grow and to benefit. Uh, I once heard Pastor Louis Giglio say, no one ever grew uh, in their faith while on vacation. And while that's mostly true, uh, most of our spiritual growth does happen when we're going through hard times, not when times are easy or good. So while all of us uh, have had our lives disrupted uh, to some degree, I want to give you four benefits of sheltering in place. Four benefits uh, from sheltering in place. Number one, physical restoration. 
Physical restoration. See, when we shut down all the external uh, stimulation, we can actually get renewed physically. Oftentimes, Jesus would go away to a quiet place to be rested, uh, to, to rest and be renewed. He was busy all the time, and he would go off to a solitary place to rest and renew his body. Rest is so important uh, for our bodies, our physical health. And, and if you've uh, been in the hospital, had a surgery or a procedure, uh, the doctor will give you orders to go home and rest. Your body needs rest. And sometimes God forces us to rest. Remember Psalm 23? He makes me lie down in green pasture. It doesn't say he invites us to lie down in green pasture. He makes us lie down in green pasture, whether we like it or not. How many times have you read or heard Psalm 23 and you never really paid attention uh, to that word? He makes me lie down in green pasture. Isn't that powerful? We hear the words differently uh, in a very familiar psalm. And now, of course, we're all being forced uh, to this solitary place. And we have a choice. Uh, we can either embrace this solitary place or we can become uh, embittered or even fearful uh, about this uh, solitary place. I think the second benefit of sheltering uh, at home uh, is spiritual edification. Quite simply, enjoying God's presence. In the midst of uncertainty and chaos, I think this is when Christians can come alive. This is our moment to really shine. This is our time when we show uh, the difference between being a believer and a non-believer. See, we as Christ followers have been given a peace that passes all understanding. And this is our time uh, to live into that. So spending time in God's presence. You know, the world is saying to us, numb your mind uh, with endless shows on Netflix. Consume entertainment on your screen. Watch YouTube videos until you can't stand it uh, anymore. And these things are all fine. Um, and, and we certainly can take uh, advantage of those things. But in measured proportions. Uh, see, God is inviting us to spend time uh, in prayer and in his word. How many times have you said, gosh, I wish I had more time to read the Bible. I wish I had more time to pray. Now you do. Use this time to be in God's presence. You know this, Psalm 46.10, David writes, be still and know that I'm God. You know, it's so much easier to be still when we are uh, alone, uh, sheltering at home. Remember the words of that great old hymn by Helen Lemel. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Things grow dim. The world of worry grows dim 
when we look in his face. The third benefit uh, of this season uh, in life uh, is self-evaluation. I'm not talking about self-criticism. I'm talking more about uh, self-evaluation as a dialogue uh, with God. David wrote it uh, this way in Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. It's it's this conversation, this prayer with God of God, uh, reveal to me those things that I need revealed in my life. And so spending time with God, clarifying who we are, whose we are, uh, at whatever point uh, season in your life. And, and there's something about a crisis that really invites us to clarify what's truly important in our lives. And I've heard from so many of you uh, over the past few weeks that what's important to you uh, are the relationships in your life. And so spend time uh, reflecting on those relationships and where you're at in each and every one of those relationships. I think the fourth benefit um, uh, during this season in all of our lives is inner consolation. Inner consolation, uh, or what I'll say, grief work. Grief work. You know, I'm reminded of the time when Jesus heard about the death of, of John the Baptist. Jesus tells us uh, that Jesus, uh, he was so overwhelmed with grief and sad that he withdrew from everyone and spent time alone with God in prayer to deal with his grief. And I got to tell you, there are many people in our congregation who have had some really difficult things happen in their lives over the past year, two or three. Many of you are grieving. And maybe to put it a better way, uh, you would do well uh, to intentionally grieve. You're grieving, but take this time to intentionally grieve. And this can be a time for you to intentionally deal with your wounds uh, and with other areas of grief in your life. So those are four uh, benefits, I think, uh, to being uh, quarantined or sheltering at home. And I want to challenge you uh, by suggesting that this season could actually serve as one of the most productive times in your life. You heard me correctly, productive. You know, I want to give you a couple examples uh, of uh, people who were in quarantine, who were actually very productive. The Apostle Paul you know, he wrote many of his uh, letters uh, to the church uh, that are now part of the New Testament while he was alone in jail in Rome. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. These four letters were written in one single bout uh, where the Apostle Paul was in quarantine. You know, there's something about that clarity, that quiet time to get some stuff out uh, and to really, truly even be productive. Another example, uh, although not a spiritual example, uh, but in 1606, uh, while in quarantine in England, uh, because of a plague, William Shakespeare uh, wrote three pieces while sheltering at home. Uh, Shakespeare wrote Macbeth, King Lear and Antony and Cleopatra. Ever heard of those works? 
That's while Shakespeare couldn't leave his house, he was still very productive. And for some of you, uh, this could be an extraordinarily productive uh, time in your life. You could do some really good, even great work. Uh, this past week, I was talking to my mom on the phone, and she was sharing with me how she is uh, sewing masks uh, for uh, local hospitals uh, there in rural Tennessee. And I just think uh, all of us have something to contribute, and probably more to contribute, more that we can be productive uh, even than what we think. But I got to tell you what, it's going to mean that you're going to have to put down the remote and take a break from watching reruns of Friends, um, The Office, and Seinfeld. It's going to take intentional work for us to really focus and ask God how he might be calling us to be productive. And I think all of us uh, could invest in relationships, uh, maybe even some relationships that have been dormant. Call an old friend, someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Write a letter with paper and pen. You can FaceTime or Zoom someone who lives across the country or even across town. You know, we live in this incredible time uh, where we have all this technology right at our fingertips uh, that we can stay in touch. We don't have to be isolated uh, from relationships. And here's a crazy idea. Invest in those relationships right under your roof. People that you can be uh, face-to-face with. And I know many of you have been reading through uh, the Red Letter Challenge. Uh, And today we are on challenge number 34. And this week it's all about going and sharing Jesus with others. But I thought it was so interesting, spoiler alert, uh, in the first one, uh, uh, challenge number 34, Zach challenges us uh, to share Jesus with those who are close to us. It's all, of, you know, it's all about the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And Zach says very correctly, it starts right with your own family, those who are living under your own roof. And we've had lots of time already, right, uh, to be with our families. But I want to ask you, even challenge you, has it been intentional time of not just passing time, but intentionally spending time with those uh, under your own roof, playing board games together, or baking, or going through old pictures, having some uh, intentional quality conversations? some challenges to think about. Well, I want to close by sharing uh, with you how the early Christians uh, lived their lives in the midst of uh, several plagues. In 165 AD, a smallpox outbreak came over the city of Rome. And in one source I found, this plague wiped out one in three people uh, in the population of Rome. Another plague broke out uh, about uh, 100 years later, 251 AD, when 5,000 people uh, were a day were dying in the city of Rome. Uh, those who were affected were abandoned by their families to literally die in the streets. 
the government was largely helpless. They didn't know what to do. And so many people went to the pagan uh, priests and the pagan temples to get answers and comfort and hope. Uh, but the pagan priests had abandoned uh, their posts and they, they, they fled uh, because they too didn't know what to do. And the plagues were so bad that if the small pox a plague did not kill you. Uh, many people simply died of hunger and thirst because they could not take care of themselves. In loneliness, they were left alone to die on the street. Now, the interesting thing is that when these plagues passed, and this plague will pass, COVID-19 will pass, the churches, the people in the churches absolutely exploded in numbers. And it wasn't because Jesus' followers offered intellectual answers to the problem of evil and suffering. And it wasn't because the Christians had some kind of supernatural ability to avoid pain and suffering. They didn't. They suffered pain and suffering uh, incredibly. But what the early Christians had was this extraordinary sense of faith and trust and hope in God. And they just put their practice into faith with simple things like food and water and presence. In fact, if you knew a Christian and you were going through one of these plagues, you were statistically more likely to survive just because you knew a Christian. And if you survived one of those plagues, it was the church that offered the most loving, stable, and helpful and hopeful environment towards moving forward. See, I think God has given you and me a moment to be the church for a remarkable opportunity to ironically connect with people in a time of isolation and quarantine to share the love of Jesus. But it's going to require each one of us to courageously put our faith into action and to serve others as God has called us to. Let us pray. God, we thank you. Uh, even for this season of sheltering at home, this season of quarantine, uh, this season of isolation, this season of disconnect, uh, because God, it offers us opportunities to grow in you uh, and to walk deeper and closer with you. And God, we live in a day and time where we can, uh, we don't, uh, we don't have to be isolated, that we can truly reach out and connect with so many people. So God, make us intentional. Uh, help us, God, to, to sit with you and to, to hear your voice for how you are calling us to make a difference in this world, to reach out and connect with others. Because God, there are so many ways that we can uh, share the love of Jesus Christ as your church throughout history has shared the love of Jesus Christ. So God, use this moment, use this quarantine uh, to bring others to you, to bring us to you until this too shall pass. In Christ's name we pray, amen.